Episode 13 of the Stable Podcast is brought to you by Hard Cut Subs. Hard Cut Subs prides themselves on their mission to deliver high-quality, open-label products to become a means to help their customers achieve any fitness-related goal through proper supplementation. For a chance to win a canister of Dose Cherry Limeade Maxed Out Pre-Workout Formula, courtesy of Hard Cut Subs, follow the Stable Podcast on Twitter, at Stable Podcast, and retweet the pinned tweet to enter. The winner will be announced on Episode 14 of the Stable Podcast. On this week's episode of the Stable Podcast, Jarrett and I will be giving a preview of Western Michigan University's upcoming football season, giving a recap of the Lions' second preseason game against the New York Jets, and diving into a conversation about how the NFL and its fans treat players and their conduct based on the color of their skin. In non-Detroit-related news, we'll discuss the recent trade involving Kyrie Irving and Isaiah Thomas that took the NBA by surprise this past Tuesday. I'm your host, Brendan Bufa. So sit back, pour yourself a tall glass of Kool-Aid, and let's get started. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Stable Podcast. I'm joined here with Jarrett Orlando, the California kid, at a cool 1030 at night. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, it looks a little brighter over in California, though. Obviously, this is a discussion we have every week. I'm just enamored by the idea of you living on the West Coast. I just want to point out that it just took Brendan three tries for that opening. So this is – bear Why with us. This is going to be a long podcast. <laughs> Why do you do that to me? <laughs> and I think it's because we're sipping on um, some beers right now. Mm, yeah, beer. Jared had a fantastic idea. This is something we're going to try to implement every single week. Um, we're going to go coast to coast with the breweries. He's going to drink a beer every single week uh, from a California brewery, and I'm going to bring something from Michigan. Uh, so, Jarrett, what do you got this week? Snowshoe Grizzly Brown Ale from Snowshoe Brewing in Arnold, California, which is about two hours southeast of Sacramento. So it's a brown ale. It's delicious. I'm going to bring uh, – I'll bring the classic, the ever-so-beloved uh, Bell's Brewery. Oh, I miss, I miss Bell's. <laughs> Dude, it's like a staple. People always criticize me for, for choosing an, an Oberon whenever I go to the, the bar. But uh, today I'm actually drinking a Lager of the Lakes. It's a Bohemian Pilsner and uh, tasty as hell. I actually bought this about a week back uh, for going out on the boat, and it served its purpose. Delicious. We always want to give shout-outs to uh, our local breweries, and you know we both are big fans of Bell's, and Jarrett's going to bring in something from California to kind of variate the taste a little bit. So keep pumping, uh, Yeah, keep pumping out the Kool-Aid. Yeah, exactly. Pour yourself a tall glass of Kool-Aid when you sit down and listen to this podcast. Grab yourself a beer. Uh, let ah. us know what you're drinking. So uh, we actually we got a full lineup today. I think we have a lot of stuff that's going to be able to keep people entertained, especially the Kalamazoo and Western Michigan University community. Uh, we are going to start talking a little bit of Western Michigan University football. Uh, as you guys know, Jarrett is a Rivals affiliate site owner. Uh, for Western Michigan University, and he's going to talk a little bit about what's going on in terms of the positioning and holes that were needed to be filled. Um, after that, we're going to talk a little bit more about, like we said last week, race relations in the NFL in terms of how we treat those players based on the color of their skin in terms of how they act off the field. Um, after that, we're going to go into a little bit more Lions football and a quick discussion about the Kyrie Irving and Isaiah Thomas trade. But first and foremost, let's get started with that uh, Western Michigan University football talk, Jarrett. Speaking of that, I run the Rivals page, as you know, fans might know. You can follow me on Twitter, WMU Rivals, or um, follow me specifically on Twitter, Jarrett underscore Orlando. And uh, you can, that website is 
www.broncoblitz.com. So it's free right now. If I can eventually get some some better content up there, then I might start charging. But for now, it's free. Enjoy it. It honestly is some great content that you push out too. Um, there's been a lot of stuff that you've been putting out lately, especially uh, the stuff on John Kenoy that I'm seeing getting pushed out and uh, other things that are going on around the league. What would you say your difference is in terms of covering players that are on the team now and players that are uh, you know coming into the program? So I cover more recruiting-wise, but I have a guy back in Kalamazoo, Alan Gerald. He, he's really good. He goes to all the practices, interviews the players, so he, he pumps out that the stories about the players that are there already, and we, we post it. So Running well, especially. It looks like you became a uh, almost like a, an honorary member of the Western Michigan uh, football team and athletics, so they really like you over there. You're pumping out good content. I do highly recommend any Western Michigan University football fan to check that out, but let's dive straight in. Let's start talking about uh, the offense first and foremost. Uh, Jared, if you want to start talking about, especially uh, the quarterback position is the number one concern, uh, especially since losing Zach Terrell. So if you could get started and uh, you know bring us into Western Michigan football. See, I don't think it's a concern. We talked about this earlier. I was driving home. I called Booth up, and we, we had a little pre, pre-meeting to the podcast. But I don't think it's going to be a concern. John Wassink, a redshirt sophomore, has had two years to kind of train behind Terrell. I mean, Terrell is a really good quarterback, but any person that's throwing to Corey Davis is going to be – a good quarterback when you have Franklin and Bogan behind you in that offensive line makes your job really easy he did he improved his running ability last year which I was impressed with but I think Watson is going to be a good quarterback and Lester is the quarterback whisper you forget he's been, <laughs> he's been a quarterback he was a quarterback at Western Michigan one of the best quarterbacks to ever play there he's been a quarterback coach in all of his years coaching so he knows what to do with quarterbacks so I'm not concerned at all and you saw Flacco left so there's obviously a reason he left he knew he wasn't going to play well, when you kick it, when you kick a career and go off to Rutgers, I don't think there's much hope. I think it's like shooting yourself in the foot and just kind of yeah, exactly. sa- sacrificing. <laughs> so quarterback, and, uh, quarterback position set. I, I think we'll see. Don't judge him on the USC game. Obviously, that's. Can you imagine being your first ever start in college football and you're starting at USC at the on the road? Yeah, <laughs> it's so like I think a panic. I think the the one thing I always enjoy about. Um, the analogy you used, if, if anybody's listened to the Fantasy Football Podcast, what we've always compared Matthew Stafford to is a Lamborghini. And when you have a Lamborghini, you need a garage to protect that uh, half a million dollar, one million dollar car. So in terms of football, uh, we're talking the offensive line. And I really think the offensive line, especially uh, like we mentioned earlier, John Kenoy, the center, who is in his third year of starting, along with uh, Chucks Okafor, the senior blindside tackle, uh, who is actually ranked top five in the nation right now. This is the third year in a row Western Michigan has had a top five offensive lineman. Uh, Willie in terms Be- of, yeah, yeah, Willie, Willie. Willie Beavers, Taylor Moten, and now Chucks. So this offensive line, the entire offensive line, has at least three years of experience. So th- they're good. <laughs> they're they're going to be fine. You lost one player last year, that's it, and they're all a year older now. And I think that was the that was a big concern in my terms of of trying to understand what's going on at Western Michigan uh, in the off season after we lost everybody. Uh, seeing that we have a pretty stout offensive line and a quarterback that you're confident in kind of builds my confidence. But then you look at the backfield. The backfield is one of the most exciting parts of Western Michigan football with both Jarvie and Franklin, Jamari Bogan, and then you're having Levante Bellamy backing them up. Uh, Matt Falcon, who was originally committed to U of M before an, uh, an ACL injury, I believe. 
Yeah, in both knees. Possibly the best running back in this backfield. And that's saying a lot when you have <laughs> the all-time leading rusher, most likely, in Jarvin Franklin, if he can stay healthy this year from WMU. And you have, he's not he's probably fifth on the depth chart. You have Jarvian, Jamari Bogan, Levante Bellaby, Davon Tucker, and then you have Matt Falcon. Loaded. And then D. Eskridge came in as a running back, too, but he sh- shifted to slot receiver because there's no there's not enough touches to go around, honestly. I really like D. Eskridge, too, especially seeing the, the light flashes that we did of him last year. Oh, so when, uh, he is when fast. You this, yeah, absolutely. He's got legs. Next He's level agile. speed. Next level speed. When I saw this uh, death chart that you sent me and you listed him as a wide receiver, that kind of uh, it, it tickled my fancy. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah, me too. But wide receiver, we have no one. <laughs> we lost our top three receivers. I was looking at statistics when I was making this depth chart up, and Jarvie and Franklin's our leading re- returning receiver, running back. And that's like that says a lot about because I mean we obviously lost Corey Davis, which everybody knows about. We also lost Michael Henry Jr. and Carrington Thompson, who were two solid wide receivers. They weren't studs when you compare them to Corey Davis, but they were consistent and they were able to get the job done, especially with with uh, Zach Terrell uh, under center. You know, it's reliable. Not like he's, yeah, reliable, reliable and accurate, and that's what you need to be a championship team. So, we and that are made basic, that made Terrell look better. That's what I was oh, pointing out earlier. So we have D. Eskridge. We're going to talk about receivers now. We have D. Eskridge. He's going to be the slot guy, and you have Keyshawn Watson, who went to the same high school as Corey Davis. He's like his little brother, and you have Anton Curtis, who's probably the biggest of those receivers. That are these? These are returning returning players. They're all redshirt sophomores or sophomores. So young, but the gem of the group, in my opinion, watch out for this guy, Luke Sanders, 6'4", 200-pound freshman out of, I think it's Notre Dame prep in Indiana. He's a big kid. Oh, my gosh. He, unreal. He looks like he's been in, the, in, in college football for a couple of years. And then you have another kid, Jalen Hall out of Macomb, Dakota, another freshman, 6'4", 165. So if he can put some weight on, he's 35 pounds less, weighs less, same height. <laughs> so just a skinny kid, but once he puts some weight on, watch out. And then they have another freshman, Tyron Arnett. He's out of Pahokee, Florida. So he's a Florida kid. And you know how these Florida kids are. they athletic. That's, that's all they do in, in Florida is play football and go to Disney World. Reminiscent of a Daniel Braverman. Yes. And he's been working out with a former receiver um, from WMU. I can't remember his name right now. But nothing but praise for this kid. So watch out. Looking at the tight ends, I, j- I just got to say his name. I'm going to steal the thunder right here. Donnie Bag of Donuts Ernsberger. <laughs> My boy, returning for his senior year. I've, uh, you know, he's not like he's not a major contributor. Like brass tacks, he's not a major contributor in terms of the overall aspect of offense. But but he's do a we know that tight end? Do we know? But how are they going to use the tight end this offense? We don't know exactly. That, and that's what excites me the most because in the past he hasn't been a factor. You know, it's not a game changer. But who knows what we're going to do for tight ends this year. And if anybody deserves a praise, it's Bag of Donuts. So I think Donnie, he's going to be the starter, obviously, with all the experience. But wild card to watch out for, Brett Brett Borski, sophomore, 6'6", 250. So he's just, he's huge, especially in Mac terms, 6'6", 250. So watch out for him. That's putting out a good old solid arm and uh, putting defenders down as you're trucking down the field. The offense should be exciting. Honestly, the wild card, I just said wild card, Brett Borski, but the, the true wild card of this offense is Wasink. But I think with a running game like that, you could run it four or five. You saw last year, they would just run all the way down the field. Ball, the ball is the program. It's, that's still the case. I thought for sure when we had uh, Flacco in the backfield, I thought if Flacco was starting, we are going to see no passing on this WMU offense. And now that we have Wasink, he has that bigger pro-style arm. 
Um, and we could see kind of a mix of both, but I still think it's going to be kind of a run and gun style offense. Um, we're really going to rely on that backfield. I've been, I've been hearing out of camp that he is more athletic than you think. Lester said that himself. And I interviewed this kid three years ago when he was an incoming freshman. And I asked him, who would you compare yourself to as a player? And he told me Aaron Rodgers. Clearly he's not Aaron Rodgers, (laughs) but the athletic Aaron Rodgers is sneaky athletic. Absolutely. And I think this kid is going to be sneaky athletic. He's more athletic than Zach Terrell is. And look how Zach Terrell performed last year with his legs. Crazy legs, Terrell. Hopefully he's got so, a better relationship with his family than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I got to throw shade at any Packer that comes through this podcast, no matter what. All right, moving on to the defense. We're looking at the front men, uh, both the defensive tackles and then the left end and right end. Jarrett, this is all you. Uh, I honestly don't recognize any of these names other than Ken Aguirre, so uh, let us know what's going on. All right, so I, I think it was probably a month ago. You and I talked, and you're like, uh, I'm, I'm worried about the defense. We lost a lot on defense, right? Yeah. And then you looked at the defense. You're like, actually, we didn't, we didn't lose that much at all. You lost Keon Adams, and who else did we lose? It was Justin Ferguson, but he, hurt him, he got hurt, and was it the third from last game? He got carted off. So we have we have everyone returning. Okay. The front the defensive line is basically our, our receivers group. Young. I would young agree. young I, and inexperienced. Initially looking at the defense as well, we had the concern of losing Robert Spillane, that traitor f so. <laughs> Language. <laughs> Language. So I no, I have no respect for Robert Spillane, especially when you try to skeet out of here and go join PJ Fleck in Minnesota. But Robert Spillane came back because he got caught and an NCAA investigation was enacted. Do you, so do you know how convincing and and persuading pj fleck is absolutely i still wear the row the boat wristband dude (laughs) language language (laughs) no but the the d-line eric asua he's probably the star of our our defensive line a junior he's played every year since he's been there uh daniel jackson a big defensive tackle ken finley gray shirted a couple years ago so he has experience i'm honestly we know what their levels are they're all juniors, juniors or sophomores. They have experience. We know the ends. The book ends. That's who we know are for sure starters. Pencilman, Eric Asua, and Andre Turner. But the defensive tackles, it could be Daniel Jackson, could be Ken Finley, could be Ken Aguirre, could be Nick Maddich. We don't know. I think it's going to be a uh, – they're going to be circling them in. That's Linebackers, good, though. Yeah, yeah. They'll be fresh. Yeah. Linebackers were set. This might be easily the best linebackers we've ever had here, core, core-wise. All seniors – all but all true seniors except for Caleb Bailey, but he's played four years now, so lots of experience. Asante Brown on the outside, Caleb Bailey and Robert Spillane uh, also have good backups. Drake Spears played a lot on special teams last year. You heard his name a lot. Trey Hayward is a freshman, but he came in in January, so he's an early enrollee. And then Corvin Moment, if you don't know who this kid is, Google him. Also a freshman, he came in after, uh, just in July. Came in. He looks like a grown man. They took a picture of all the linebackers together, and he's. There was this kid with dreads, and I'm like, who is this? Who is this? And it's Corvin Moment. He is just – he's jacked. So the, these Florida kids, they can ball, flat-out ball. I'm kind of glad that we've expanded that recruiting yes. to Florida because Fleck really focused in that Chicago area. Instead, What, what was his rule? It was uh, how many – six No, six-hour radius. Six-hour radius, which is – it's smart. For, for the idea of being hyper-local, but I like that we've kind of extended that because that the southern United States has a ton of talent, especially in Florida when they're not tapping into that because we kind of focus on the more Georgia, Mississippi, Louisiana, Agreed. Alabama. So. Agreed. But 
the kids that we got from out of state are two are from Florida and one is from Georgia. And all these kids could come in and play right away, honestly. There's talent there. So he's, Lester's doing the same thing. He's trying to keep everything local, but he's also not opposed to stepping outside those that parameter and, and going into states like Florida and Georgia. Which is smart. Fleck had that cliche to where he tried to stay hyper-local, but sometimes you got to break those bounds and uh, move your barriers a little bit. And now he's at Minnesota. Never, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at our defensive backfield, i got to say his name. Um, it would be awesome for him to hear this because like, I seriously worship this guy, Darius Phillips. Oh, I um, love when him. I first, when I first came to Western Michigan University... He was a receiver. Uh, he was a so I, yeah, he was a wide receiver. So I was like, all right, this kid, this kid's dope. He switches to cornerback next year. I was like, I remember looking at the roster. I was like, okay, what is going on? Like they just transfer this guy to defense, and he could he not, he could balls. not do it though. His first year, he could, his first, he looked so lost his first year that he was just athletic. Oh, yeah. But now he's mastered the craft, and he's also the ridiculous kick returner, punt returner. He's just an athletic freak. Whenever he's touching the ball for a kickoff return, it's like a seventy-five percent chance that it's going to get returned. Yes. And, and then that's, on, that's no embellishment. And on the other corner, the weak link last year was Sam Beal, but he's he really improved as the season went on. He's a true junior now, three years going to be three years under his belt, so expect big things from him. And on the back end, we have a couple redshirt sophomores, but they both improve. I I think Tranquil is the most talented guy on this defense. He was a the high. He actually he's the highest recruited player ever, highest rated recruit ever to come into Western Michigan. Because he had knee issues, and now you're seeing he, he performed really well. He was the, um, the second leading tackler last year. And then Devontae Ginwright, who, if you, if you don't remember this guy, he's the one against Northwestern who, when that fumble in the end zone, tried to bat yeah. it back in. So I don't think he'll ever live that, live that down, but he, <laughs> he's really athletic, a hard hitter, played well as the season went on. What you know about Obi Jackson? I like athletic, that name. Athletic. Super Athletic. Athletic. Super, super athletic. I think he had an interception against Eastern Michigan. You go back and watch the tape. And then we have a couple really talented sophomores, Brad Tanner and Stefan Claiborne. Could play either safety or corner, so they'll be rotating in. We have depth, and that's weird. Weird to say about the defense because it was so young for the last couple of years, and that was the, the weakness. And I think you're going to see a big step up in this defense this year. It should be an interesting year for Western Michigan University football. One thing that we are going to uh, talk a little bit more about next week is go over the full schedule, what we expect for every single game. Uh, We're going to be starting off the season at USC on that Saturday, and we will be releasing the podcast probably on that Thursday or Friday, depending on whether we are going to record Wednesday or Thursday night. uh, It's going to be be Wednesday. I'm going to that game. So we'll do Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and also don't forget – Kicker Josh Grant, freshman out of Texas. The kid can kick. We lost Butch Hampton, which is sad. I love that guy. The mullet. Did he, he went to go play this? soccer at like yeah. a science institute. With his, with the, for his, his dad, dad, I think? Yeah. yeah, it was his dad. So I don't blame him, but this kicker we have coming in was one of the top ones in the nation. And he posts videos all the time, getting ready for the season. He was, he was easily making them from 60 in the videos, 50 and 60. Is he going to get a scholarship pulled like that kid from uh, UCF? Oh, no, he's just he's just posting straight videos. All right, good. Thank God. We don't need to lose our kicker. All right, moving on to the next topic. This is something we kind of gave a preview to last week, and uh, I think it's something that we're not necessarily like, we're not wholly qualified to talk on this as two white guys, but we really want to make it clear that 
we're super aware of our privilege and that's something that we've kind of worked on in the past together and personally uh, in terms of development at Western Michigan University with a campus that's highly diversified in its culture and uh, inclusion. So one thing we really want to talk about and dive into is race relations in the NFL in terms of how we treat players uh, in accordance with their off-field attitude and demonstrations uh, based on the color of their skin. And I don't so, think I don't think we're like trying to give you the right or wrong answer because we don't know the right or wrong answer. We're just I think we're more questioning. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, we, it's more it's like speculation and a misunderstanding almost. Yeah, like, we're, we're we're seeing this trend kind of, and I didn't really notice it. I mean, subconsciously I noticed it all this time, but it really came to light last year. I don't, I don't last week. I don't remember what you what you said, but it was like a light clicked. I'm like, that's that's not fair. That's not fair at all. <laughs> Which is important. It's an important discussion to have. And uh, I know Chris even uh, sent us a text in our group text that we have, and he said, you know, it's it's going to be challenging as two white guys to talk about something like this. But um, let's just dive right in and get on it. So, what brought up this topic was the Ezekiel Elliott suspension. Yes. So we were talking about the idea of how he pulled down the bra of that girl and how he's been getting in these bar fights. And we kind of compared it to Odell Beckham Jr.'s partying prior to the playoff game last year and then Rob Gronkowski's culmination of a partying attitude. So Came up, yeah. Um, we talked about Gronk came up. Yeah, absolutely. And I was like, this doesn't, this doesn't make sense because I was talking like I was talking to you earlier. During the Super Bowl party last year, he came off – the IR and was partying at the parade, crushing beers on his head, ripped his shirt off, going crazy. And I said, Bufa, if Zeke Elliott pulled the girl's bra down jokingly, which I mean, that's not a joking matter, but you could see she kind of like giggled about it. And I'm sure alcohol was involved, pulled her bra down during a St. Patrick's Day parade. And I said, if Gronk would have done that same thing, did his little smirk, I think people would have thought a lot differently of it. Don't you Absolutely. Agree? People would have thought it was funny. And, and I mean, we're still seeing a representation of of Rob Gronkowski thinking it's funny to wear like 69 jerseys and make 69 jokes. And people like even like Bleacher Report and ESPN, even these like honorable news outlets are laughing about this. They think it's hilarious. And I think if we were to change Rob Gronkowski to, say, Odell Beckham Jr. or Ezekiel Elliott, like we had proposed, you're going to see a totally different reaction just because of the color of their skin and the way people react to these players in the NFL. So last year before the, the wild card game against the Packers, OBJ and all of his wide receiver friends went on a party boat in Miami on a Monday, I think it was, before the game. They lost the game. Everyone said, oh, the reason they lost is because they weren't focused. They were partying. If, do you think the same would have been said about Gronk if he was partying the Monday before a playoff game? I, I Absolutely mean, I, not. I mean, OBJ I, was crucified for it. That's just Gronk being Gronk, and I don't understand why it's, there's a difference between him and OBJ and Zeke Elliott. I don't see – and that's why I started to think, is this, is this a race issue? I would think so, and it's, it's, it's more subliminal. And I think that that – especially um, the NCAA just requested – the interim director or president or um, whatever his title is uh, just requested a meeting with Roger Goodell about Colin Kaepernick being blackballed by the NFL. And, and I we're agree. Seeing, it's, it, absolutely. And look there's, at, there's no denial of that. And look at there's African American players protesting before the games, kneeling, putting their fists up, and they're like, "Why do they keep doing this?" That's what the news outlets are saying. And then the other day, I heard on Mike and Mike they were praising Chris Long because he went and put his hand on an African American player's shoulder during the national anthem. And they're like, "Oh, it's about time that these white athletes are starting to support the African American athletes." And now it's like 
now we're all for it. Now we're all for supporting because the white athletes are now supporting the African-American athletes. I don't understand this, this double standard. Why now it's okay since white players support it. We saw Cleveland's Seth devolve, uh, to, you know, take a knee. He was the first white player to take a knee. It took over a year for a, for a white football player to take a knee to go and support this cause. I mean, we're seeing Marshawn Lynch do it. We saw, um, Martellus Bennett speak out against it. And finally there were like 12 Browns players who took a knee before the game. Um, you even see rookies putting their hands on their shoulders. And now there's, there's almost a, an eerie silence after Cleveland took that knee and it's, it's appreciated, but I think it's something that needs to be capitalized on. And I think we're kind of just kind of letting it go and almost letting it being swept under the rug until we can have the discussion and sooner or later blow up about it in the future. Yeah, and stop telling athletes to be athletes and not be advocates because kids look up to athletes oh. more than I than I feel <laughs> they look up to their parents. I mean, I don't I don't see kids wearing switching to basketball. I don't see kids wearing white New Balances when they play basketball. I see them wearing Steph Curry's and Kevin Durant's and LeBron James. They they look up to these athletes. They model them. They want to be like them. So if they see them giving a an educated, well-thought-out opinion about everyone's created equal, which is how America should be, I think that goes a long way. So stop telling athletes to not give their opinion. That's, that's ridiculous. Jarrett, that is an, it's an absolutely spectacular point that you brought up about the shoes in terms of we watch these athletes and we learn from these athletes, whether it be the way they conduct themselves on or off the court or field or in the terms of their belief systems. So telling somebody or telling an athlete, especially LeBron James who spoke out on Charlottesville, People were saying, stick to sports, just stick to dribbling a ball. And people in media, whether it be members of the media like you and I, or Adam Schefter, or whomever it may be, are getting criticized for the stick to sports mantra. Stick to sports, we don't want to see anything else on your Twitter, social media accounts, throughout your professional career, you know, going away from sports. And I think that that is one of the, the worst things to ask a member of the media who has a prominence or an athlete who has the ability to influence children, uh, people, uh, whether they be young adults like you and I, or older members who watch the sport. So I think it's just it's almost unjust to be asking these people not to talk on it. And whether it's you and I having this conversation or another group of podcasters having this conversation, regardless of their prominence, this is a discussion that needs to be had. And it's a discussion that needs to be brought out into the light, um, whether it be by taking a knee or just by simply jarring back and forth like you and I. Agreed. So don't don't hold players to these double standards based on the color of their skin. People are people. It's not it's not a hard concept to grasp. No, exactly. And that's the weirdest thing is there's so much discussion behind it in politics, and you know, in the end, we uh, although it may be cliche, we all bleed the same color and. Um, we all are looking for happiness, so uh, let's just leave it at that. And if this is a discussion, I'm hoping we get some talk back on something like this uh, in terms of our followers. But uh, I, I think it's a prominent topic. Just like you're, you're not born speaking English. You're not born speaking Chinese. It's, it's taught to you. You're not born discriminating against another human being. It's something you learn and you're taught. So we just we need to do a better job. I feel. All right, it's a great discussion to have. Uh, we'll uh, try to rely on our followers, uh, whether it be on Twitter or Facebook or wherever it may be. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. The Stable Podcast does now have a Twitter account. It's at Stable Podcast. Shoot us a follow. 
Uh, if you have any questions or anything like that, just shoot us a message. Even if you want to DM us, the DMs are open. Uh, if you're too afraid or, or unwilling to share it in public, uh, we do want to hear your opinion. We want to hear your talk back, and it's something that we will, uh, you know, we encourage and we are looking forward to responding to. But we're going to move on real quick to the Detroit Lions. Uh, we're going to touch real, real lightly on this, just kind of give a recap of what went on uh, uh, in uh, Detroit against the New York Jets. Um, Jared, you made a great point when we talked on the phone earlier about the New York Jets and the Detroit Lions and why we should only be talking about this game for like 30 seconds. Yeah, minimum. The, the, the Jets are just like a, the, the, what Christian Hackenberg said about the Lions, about the film, just blew me away. <laughs> I, yes. I, and I, before we, we talk about that, I really think that the Alabama Crimson Tide could beat the New York Jets. I know it's a stupid conversation, but they are that bad. It was ridiculous. Yeah, Christian Hackenberg said the defense did so well because they did a good job studying film, and then Matt Stafford comes back and said, we didn't watch a single clip of film all week. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't do that. Uh. You're, you're just that bad. So, And it's funny because that team's never been – in our lifetime, they've never been this bad. They're almost no. like it's almost like Cleveland has more respect than the Jets right now. I, I I have more respect for Cleveland. I'm more intimidated by Cleveland than I am the New York Jets. I don't really simply honestly, based on the draft class. <laughs> I I don't know what to say about this. The, the most entertaining thing from this game was when Marvin Jones caught that touchdown and did the, did the double dutch with his teammates, and that was the storyline of this game. We saw decent performances from everybody. I think when we go up against New England on Friday. Uh, which I'm going to be downtown, which is going to be really fun. Um, but once we go up against New England, we'll see a Detroit Lions team that is worthy of paying attention to. But other than this, I mean, the first two preseason games that we've had have been just snoozeville. Um, not a ton of competition, not a ton going on, both in Indianapolis and New York. So we'll see what happens against New England. But I am so excited. Far, been... I am excited for this game against New England. Yeah, you're a Patriots fan. Oh, I mean, okay. Who you who you who you rooting for? Oh, I'm rooting for the Lions because I already know the Patriots are going are to win the Super Bowl this year. You're lying through your teeth. No, no. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the alcohol talking. That one beer. Woo. All right. We want to talk a little bit, and this is like we've had a constant discussion since this happened. Oh, my um, ad nauseum. I'm so sick of this. <laughs> so I'm gonna, sick. I'm going to just – I got to give it to you. I got to give it to you. Isaiah Thomas was just recently traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers for Kyrie Irving – um, it's Andre Zizek or, or Zizek something and exactly, Jay Crowder. Exactly, you can't even pronounce cares? his name. I'm more concerned about Jay Crowder leaving. So Cleveland gets a point guard that's not as great as Kyrie Irving, has some health concerns, but was the face of the Boston Celtics franchise and gave his all, and was the superstar of the best postseason series this past uh, playoffs. I don't against care. the Wizards. <laughs> I don't care what he did. So, uh, my argument is that Cleveland blew it out of the water with this trade in getting both Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder. Tell me why. Jarrett completely Tell me why. disagrees. Complete, because you got A, you got a point guard that's pretty damn decent. It's no Kyrie Irving. Pretty damn. But it is a top five point guard. Pretty damn decent. But it is a, he is a, he is oh a top five point guard. The only concern is with his health. Pretty and his ability damn. to score, especially being so small against all the big the bigs in the league. My concern is that they got Jay Crowder. I My argument is that Jay Crowder is exactly what Cleveland needs to put a defense and a decent score on the field against the, the Golden State Warriors. And you you were laughing at me. You were giving it to me in the text message group. You have not laid off me. What What is it so hard to understand that Cleveland s- simply and strictly won this trade? 
<laughs> Where do I begin? All right, first question. Is LeBron, is LeBron staying or leaving after this season? A, no, it's answer. I want to say no. Listen, listen. I want to say no. But there's a potential that LeBron James stays in accordance with whether they win or not and if the pick that they got, the Nets pick from the Celtics, becomes a top five pick and they're able to add a, 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 a cornerstone to that Cleveland Cavaliers team. All right, I'm going to give you this. If LeBron stays, if that, that pick turns into the number one pick, if Jay Crowder has the best season of his life, if Isaiah Thomas stays healthy and can be the scorer he was last year, then, yes, then I will eat my words and say Cleveland won this trade. But that's not going to happen. LeBron's going to be gone. I guarantee this pick isn't going to be the number one pick. Isaiah Thomas is like 28 years old and five foot two, so he's going to be breaking down soon. And I'd rather have Marcus. Hey. Mor- I'd rather have Marcus <laughs> Morris than than Jay Crowder. And I asked you this question earlier. I said, "You play 2K, right? You're you're in the franchise mode." And I I said, "Who are you going to start your, your franchise with? Do you want to start it around for the next three to five years? Do you want to start with Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, or do you want to start with Isaiah Thomas and Kevin Love? Who are you going to pick? You're going to take Kyrie Irving ten out of ten times. What if I say Isaiah Thomas and LeBron James? Who are you going to take?" To start my career in a five-year period, you're between Isaiah Thomas and LeBron James. Like I have to pick one of them. No, I'm saying Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, and then I said or Isaiah Thomas and LeBron James. I made the deal sweeter. I'll say I'll say Kyrie and Gordon. But my point is, is they are not in a situation. Cleveland is not in the situation to build. Cleveland wants to win right now, especially yeah. before Brown leaves, because it's an it's an it's gonna happen. It's almost like Stafford may, like signing the richest contract in the NFL. It's gonna happen. But if you're trying to win now, you keep Kyrie. You keep, he wants to be traded. Doesn't mean you have to trade him. If you're trying to win now, he's the better player, right? I absolutely understand that. And Boston was in a position to win now with Isaiah Thomas, with the understanding of the team, the understanding of the offense. He's a decent defender. He's no he's no stellar defender. He's five foot, but especially six, keeping Jay Crowder on that team. Oh so my gosh, he's so he's my a argument foot is that he's a foot shorter than what LeBron. Right? LeBron, he's that's so sad. small. That makes me so he's sad. so small. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. And that's the thing, like, it always comes down to we'll see, and I respect that, but I think knee-jerk reaction, it is so difficult to deny that Cleveland Cavaliers won this trade fair and square, blew it out of the water, and what the hell was Danny H. thinking getting rid of Isaiah Thomas? And the one thing that I'm really upset about, and I've seen uh, only, it's kind of been mum on social media, is that Isaiah Thomas buries his sister two days later, plays against the Bulls on Easter. It's like... If you have a guy that's giving your all for an organization like that, they they go and get rid of him, and then they release this article that players in the locker room were having a problem with Isaiah Thomas. It's business, homie. Isaiah Thomas doesn't have an evil bone in his body. It's business, homie. Yeah, it's business, but there's modesty and respect in a business. And as much as I've respected the Cleveland to, the uh, the Boston Celtics, that's just that's disgusting. To you, there's respect, but in the real world, it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. I feel like the NBA is the one league to where you don't see a ton of respect. Because they're chasing the money, and it's more of an individual-type game. So you only need a couple great individuals. You pay them a crap ton of money, and you're set. In the NFL, you can pay two guys. Well, you can't even pay them that much because of the salary cap. But you, <laughs> you have a whole team full of players, so it's, it's, it's different. So if you can get a couple great players like the Celtics have right now, you're set. LeBron, LeBron's leaving. He's going to go to the Lakers. We talked about this already earlier. He's going to go to the Lakers. 
and you're going to be stuck with Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder. And I said, when LeBron left the first time, the Cavaliers drafted Kyrie, and he went through those miserable years. He knows what it's like to be a loser. He tasted winning, and I think he knows that LeBron's going to leave. So why would he want to be staying there for another the dark Year. years? Yeah, It'd be a year, though. Yeah. So that's why it's it's confusing as to what his motive is, and I guess the money chasing is a good perspective on it. But let me ask your opinion, and then we'll kind of wrap this up. What's your opinion on how few and far in between players like Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant are, not in terms of their greatness, but in terms of their loyalty to an organization? Now, those are like once-in-a-generation players. That's I, I don't know how else to describe it like that. <laughs> they're they're once-in-a-generation players. Because I don't I don't think you're going to put all your money in those types of players anymore. They're gonna You're trying to put equal amounts of money in three or four super teams. I think this is the we're going to see super teams from now on for the next 20 years until because the games they go up and down they change so until someone finds an antidote to that how you can can fix that or defend that then I think that's you're gonna keep saying super teams because in this generation we live in we we judge players not on what they do individually but what they do championships wise it's, it's no longer a stats league you need to go where you can win championships that's how your legacy is de- de- determined simple as that look at LeBron's probably the greatest player of all time that we've ever seen because I don't remember Jordan that much. We saw Jordan at the back end of his career. But they kept comparing him to Jordan because stats-wise, he's better than Jordan. But championships-wise, not even close. And that's what he kept getting compared to. So that's why he had to leave. He had to get out to go win championships. Now his greatness is slowly ascending, but I don't think you're going to see those types of players anymore with Tim Duncan's, Kobe Bryant's, sadly. Look at Dwayne Wade. He got screwed over. He took less cash for three, I think it was three years with the Heat. <laughs> he said enough is enough because they were trying to lowball him again. So he went to the Bulls. And now he's getting paid. So no, I don't and think he's, so. He's going to leave. He's going to get paid and leave. But now he's the back end of his career. He's not really worth what he wants. Okay, so last question, and this can be a simple yes or no with elaboration or without. Carmelo Anthony and Dwayne Wade joined the Cavaliers before the midseason point. Does that make them favorites for the championship? Uh, eight years ago, yes. Are you sick? <laughs> no, no. All nah. hail the banana boat. Let's go, dude. Yeah, go to a local YMCA. Maybe they could run the court, but nah. This is this is, a, this is a young man's league now. Athleticism wins. You have no respect for your elders. They're all ball. They're they need the ball in their hands to succeed. All of them. D- doesn't the whole starting lineup of the Golden State Warriors serve the same purpose? No, they no. They're 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 shooters. They they spot up and shoot. Then you have Draymond in there. As a passer, Steph Curry is underrated. He's underrated as a passer. He, he can find people if he wants to. You got Clay Thompson oh, and then Durant. Yeah, they're going to be good for years to come, so I don't even know what we're talking about. The rest of the NBA doesn't, doesn't even matter. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> Who cares what the East does? They're not going to they're they're get swept in the finals anyway. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a bold take. I, I might I might disagree with that, but at the same time, that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> a lengthy podcast in terms of uh, of discussion. I think we covered a lot of ground today, but let's just end it up. Um, I'll give you out social media. Like I said, the Stable Podcast does now have a Twitter, so follow us on Twitter at Stable Podcast. You can also follow me at B-B-U-F-F-A underscore W-M-U. Uh, hit me up, shoot me a DM if you want to talk. Um, we got a special show lined up next week. We're going to cover a little bit of WMU football. And, uh, Jarrett, if you want, shout out social media. Let's get some followers. Yeah, follow me, Jarrett, J-A-R-R-I-T-T underscore Orlando. 
or you can follow my Rivals account, Bronco Blitz. It's at WMU Rivals. So give me some follows. Makes me feel better for my ego. One thing we didn't do, which we can shout out like real quick in the last minute, minute or two, uh, fantasy football questions. You got you those ready? Yeah, do you want to answer them? We'll go rapid fire. Yeah, yeah, just go through them. All right. Yeah. At Polo Mill 23 asked, Carson Palmer or Jake Cutler? Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer. So this guy sent me a, a list of keepers. I had Isaiah Crowell, Marshawn Lynch, Fournette, Miller, Cooks, Demarius Thomas, um, DeAndre Hopkins, Baldwin, Doug Baldwin. And he asked, this will be what I'm looking after my keepers for the for picks in the first round. Thoughts? And I told him Baldwin and Cooks. I think Baldwin just I, – I never think he's going to do well. And he, somehow he just keeps putting up numbers. And then Cooks I think is going to be the, the <laughs> new – because Russell Wilson. <laughs> yeah. But then I think Cooks is going to be the new Edelman of that offense. I think Adam, you're going to see a decline of Edelman. I would agree. I think your keepers on that. Um, I want to say Marshawn Lynch just because of my fandom. But I'm going to say Cooks. And I will take a dive on Leonard Fournette. Um, I'm going to say that that's a potential keeper for the future, and you may see a successful workload out of him in Jacksonville. All right, and that was from C. Burton 512. Another one from C.R. Burton 512. He's mocked a few times. He's looking at Amari, Cooper, uh, Lamar Miller, and Fournette as his first overall pick. Who are you going with? Um, I'm going to say Amari Cooper. I agree. I said easy. That's an easy one. This one's from Ryan Martin, 27. Yeah. He followed the show last year. He's back for more. Is Devontae Freeman, Jay Ajay, Jordy Nelson, are any of those solid picks? He has the f- last pick in the first and second round, so he's picking back-to-back. Um, he said he, was gonna go, he wasn't going to go for a QB until round five or six. So which two guys would you go, go for between Freeman, Ajay, and Jordy Nelson? Freeman and Nelson. I agree. And then he said, what about the quarterback? Did you wait? Uh, I, yeah, dude. It, the league is so saturated with quarterbacks. And even if you're in a 12-man league, every single week there's going to be a quarterback on waiver that's going to be able to get you 10 to 15 points every I, week. I agree. I'm a strong believer that the quarterback does not matter. Agreed. And I said you could get Stafford, Mariota, or Carr in, the, in rounds five or six easily, I think. I think people are sleeping those. Mariota's a sleeper. Mariota's a huge sleeper in a lot of leagues right now. Especially with Corey Davis. Got to drop that name. <laughs> Never heard of him. All right, there was one more. <laughs> my, my bad. Also from C.R. Burton, 512. I had Gronk as my only keeper. I decided to go no keeper this year. He wasn't worth a first-round pick, in my opinion. Do you agree? And I said, I agree with that completely. I love Gronk, as we all know, but the injury risk for him makes him not worth the, the pick. So I love him, but the, the, the injuries scare me, especially in a keeper league. I would totally agree. A first-round pick, it's not worth it. Um, in addition, i got to tell you, C.R. Burton, if you keep asking us three questions a week, um, you might as well just give us ownership of your fantasy team. <laughs> Please. And quick, quick note, <laughs> quick note. Bufa had a league he put together last year that I was in, and I picked uh, – it was called – my, my team name was Gronky Kong, and I picked Gronk with the ninth pick, I think, and he got hurt in week, in week two, and I was one of the worst teams in that league. <laughs> so, so that's why I don't pick Gronk. Wrapping up the stable podcast again—a wonderful week. I'm looking at you in the mirror right now, or in, in the camera right now, Jared, and your face is covered in sweat. It's hot. You, <laughs> is it hot where you're at? It's like 90 degrees. Okay, we both need to get off this. It's it's nearly midnight. I need to go play some Call of Duty World War II beta. I'm gonna sit in front of a TV for the next four hours. <laughs> oh my gosh, I do look sweaty. Woo.
All right, thanks so much for following us. Uh, again, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, uh, check us out. And uh, thanks so much for joining episode 13 of the Stable Podcast. Go Lions! Deuces! Deuces!